Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Good morning, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and welcome to the clinic. As always, always a pleasure to be here and to be able to discuss our wonderful Catholic faith in the light of health, mental health, uh, physical health, and of course, spiritual health, which is more important than, than all the rest. That's our eternal, our eternal health. That's what we take with us. Um, today, let's go ahead and start with a prayer uh, so we can get started and, and have a, a great uh, radio show here. Uh, we'll say in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's another great day, listeners, and it's always a pleasure to have you here. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about just kind of the anxiety and social unrest that's been going on in our daily lives recently. Um, lots going on in the news, lots going on in society. Um, and I know that in recent uh, episodes, we've talked a little bit about training for our faith, training for our mission on our pla- on the planet here while we're here, um, <clears throat> and really trying to understand our mission so that we can make choices and that ultimately we can meet our objective so that all of our choices really come down to being more like Christ and lifting the kingdom of God. We talked about how once we understand our mission, we have to train for our mission. And so we have to understand what it means to pray. We have to understand what tools we have at our disposal, whether it be praying the rosary, understanding and following the commandments, uh, understanding what the virtues are and how we can become stronger in those virtues. And ultimately, we decided, you know, we've got to do this, or we didn't decide, we understand that we do this because our objective is to make it to heaven. And there's only one way that we're going to make it to heaven, and that's through the gate. And that gate is Christ. So us becoming more Christ-like helps us to guarantee that spot in heaven. And why do we talk about this? Why do we even uh, discuss these choices or anything like that in the light of our recent uh, uh, social events? More than anything else is because while we're on this planet, we're ultimately asked to make a choice. And that's the bottom line. You know, we're asked to make a choice between good and bad, between God and what's not God. And this is what can get very, very stressful, um, especially around an election time. Not because I'm saying that our, our politicians are gods or not gods or anything like that, but we're being asked to, to make choices in terms of the voting booth and in terms of our policies and in terms of what we believe. And w- one of my friends was asking me recently, you know, gosh, you know, from a, from a mental health perspective, what's your take on this? Why is this so stressful? Why is it such a big deal. Why are people so upset? Why, why are people so passionate about this one way or another? Um, and he said, and especially, you know, being that you, you have a, a faith-based uh, approach to things, a spirituality approach to things, a Catholic perspective on making choices. Why do you feel that this is really stressing people out? And I told him, you know, it's because while we're on this earth and we're praying and we're doing all these things and we're going to church and we're, we're trying to understand what the Bible says and what all these things mean in our lives, all of a sudden we find ourselves on the battlefield in a way, on a spiritual battlefield. We're being asked to make real time choices now. It's one thing to, to sit in our rooms and pray and say, yeah, I'm going to become spiritually stronger. 
and we pray our rosaries and we feel good and we, and we feel Christ working in our lives and we start to think about how we want to uh, lead our lives and we go to church on Sunday and we try to understand the mystery of the Eucharist and how Christ really wants to be with us and we want to uh, receive Christ appropriately and in a good spiritual health and in a state of grace and we go to confession for those times where we feel that we're not doing exactly what we're supposed to do or we've fallen away and so we want to come closer and we do all these things and that's great. But the reality is we do all these things because we're going to be faced with a choice. And once we're faced with that choice, we hope that all this has strengthened us in order to make the choice that would be most pleasing to God. Because that's the stressful part. The stressful part is that a lot of times people will put this idea on you that this choice is all about you and it's going to define who you are, when in reality it's going to define who we are in the eyes of God. You know, if, if things are against our faith, if we're being asked to choose against our faith, if we're being asked to choose in a way to denounce Christ, um, that's pretty stressful because out of fear, some people might. You know, there's been stories and, and uh, um, different anecdotes about times of persecution and people being in wars and people being in concentration camps and being, um, you know, abducted and kidnapped because of their faith. All different times throughout history. And all of a sudden you're asked to make a choice and somebody might tell you, denounce Christ or you will die. And this is really what's really hard because all of a sudden in that moment, there's this element of fear. There's this element of, I want to live. The idea of self-preservation, mentally speaking, psychologically speaking, is very, very powerful. This is why it's so hard to accept that somebody has committed suicide or that somebody has killed somebody else or that there's death involved. And this is why death is so hard. Normally, we live our lives trying to preserve our lives. We come to the clinic because we want to be healthy. We want to be healthy physically so that we can continue to live our lives. If we're not doing well mentally, we want that to heal as well because we hope for longevity. We have the idea of eternity um, because there will be an eternity. We speak in terms of, oh, I want to get this and it'll last me forever. I think this is going to last me forever. Now, granted, it's a little bit short-sighted of us to use that term here on earth because eventually we will die. We don't like to think of that idea. But I think that the concept of eternity is there because God wants to let us know that, hey, there are some things that you are doing for eternity. The choices we make here are what's helping us in our spiritual health in order to make to be ready when we do get to the, to the gates of heaven, in order to be ready to say, am I Christ-like? Did I do what I needed to do in order to make it to heaven? The choices we make in life, as we know, veer us in one direction or another. And that's what's so stressful. With the current cycles in terms of politics and in terms of making votes, it seems like there is a line drawn into the sand all of a sudden. It seems to be very contentious as of late. Um, and it really seems to be not so much, you know, gosh, you, you kind of think this way, I think that way, and we're going to get along. For some of my friends, for some of the people I've spoken to, it can be very, very stressful and very anxiety provoking because they're saying, I can't even talk to certain people about how I feel because all of a sudden a line is drawn in the sand and we, we can't be friends anymore. We can't get along anymore. They've, they no longer call me. We feel like it's opposing worlds now if we don't agree on the same things, on the same topics. And that's very stressful for people. So ultimately what we have here is opposing forces. You know, if, if it comes down to, I'm voting based on my faith, and somebody's telling you, no, you can't vote that way, you can't, you gotta put your faith aside, it gets very challenging because all of a sudden we're doing something where we, where we say that we, you know, there's, there's a saying, don't politicize your faith, but don't turn your politics into religion. 
And one of the challenging parts is that now politics are being turned into religion. You know, how many people are going to church versus how many people are following their party platform? How many people are reading the Ten Commandments, the virtues, and all these things that we're supposed to follow and all the good religious things that are going to bring up our souls and fill us with grace? How many people are focused on that versus on the tenets of their political party platforms? Now, granted, if we're going to make a vote and we're going to make a choice, what I want to see is which tenants align, align most with my faith, which tenants align most with what I believe to be true, what I believe is going to bring us closer to God, and ultimately what I believe is going to bring us up and bring up the kingdom of heaven, bring up the kingdom of God. That's what we're here for. Regardless of what we do in our lives, regardless of what career we choose, regardless of what our job is, it's a means to an end. So everything we do here is really strictly geared towards how do we bring up the kingdom of heaven on earth? One of the challenges is, and this is where one of my friends was asking me, well, you know, you're on a deliverance team, so how do you even make sense of any of this in, in terms of deliverance? And I told him, you're always going to have opposing forces. You're always going to have the kingdom of heaven, and you're always going to have forces that want to bring down the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we have to be savvy about. That's what we have to think about. Because ultimately, we have to, or if our goal is to make it to heaven, we want to make sure that whatever choice we make is not just for myself. Obviously, I want to make it to heaven and I'm going to make this choice. But there's a very important concept that I always like to focus on and bring up, and that's called the communion of saints. And if I'm going to make a choice that's going to bring up the kingdom of heaven, it's not just going to bring me up. It's not a selfish choice. It's going to be a choice where it's going to help everybody else involved. Because one of the biggest challenges is when it comes time to voting or making a choice or choosing a political party or anything along these lines, we get blinded and we start to see each other as enemies, as human, each other, uh, you know, on, on this planet, we see other human beings as enemies. And this is really where the distraction comes in. This is really where the lies come in because we're not each other's enemy. We're not supposed to be fighting each other this way. We're all supposed to be building ourselves up towards the kingdom of God. Not everybody sees that. And so then by taking choices or picking sides, then we have to decide, wait a minute, the choices I make are going to be for the betterment of the kingdom of God. I might have to make sacrifices. I might have to um, do things that maybe aren't going to feel good for myself. It's a sacrifice. You know, who, who wouldn't want to go enjoy life to its fullest and, and enjoy all the pleasures of the world? But you know what? I'm going to decide not to do that. I'm going to decide to fast. I'm going to decide to do different things. I'm going to make a sacrifice and not enjoy any of these pleasures of the world because I realize that that's not going to bring me to a good end. But by me giving that up, I'm not only giving it up for myself, I'm actually doing good for everybody else. Sometimes people, other people aren't going to like that. They're going to be on the opposite side of things. They're going to say, what's wrong with you? This isn't right. We're here on this planet and that's all there is. There is no God. There is no afterlife. What, what are you doing? These opposing forces are always going to exist whether it be choosing God or not choosing God. This is one of the biggest challenges because if really your vote comes down to that, then we're being asked to say, hey, you, by your vote, you are telling me what side you're on. Opposing forces will always be there. And this is what's really hard. We need to think about this. This is what's stressful. This is what's causing people mental anguish. We're going to talk a little bit more about opposing forces when we come back from the break.
A great man once said that evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose this war, and in so doing lose this great way of freedom of ours, history will report with the greatest astonishment that those that had the most to lose did the least to prevent it from happening. Well, I think it's high time now that we ask ourselves if we still even know the freedoms that were intended for us by our founding fathers. Every generation of Americans needs to know that freedom exists, not to do what you like, but having the right to do what you ought. You weren't made to fit in, my brothers and sisters. You are born to stand out. Set yourself apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. God bless you. Leviticus 11.44 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, You must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we're talking about choice and opposing forces. And we see this a lot in society, you know, we recently in, and uh, most commonly right now, we're, we've been seeing it due to having to make choices in voting and things of that nature. But I think that we can't always focus on it just in times of, of, of uh, election cycles or, or immediate obvious choices like that. This is happening all the time, you know, making decisions and making choices for God is happening all the time, whether we realize it or not. Um, and sometimes making choices among ourselves or among politicians or things of this nature are a distraction. You know, really it's a distraction because this is an immediate choice. And while we worry about it having repercussions down the road, every day we're making choices that can have repercussions down the road spiritually. Every day we're making choices where we choose God or not choose God. Sometimes they're not so obvious. I think sometimes when we start getting into battles between people and doing what we call ad hominem attacks, where we attack the person and say, you know, start mudslinging and saying, well, you did this in your life or you did that in your life. And so you're no good or you're no good. If we start judging each other, I don't think any of us has a perfect rap sheet in the eyes of God. I don't think any of us would ever measure up to what we would like to believe that other, you know, and, and if we're going to be judged by other people, especially, you know, and we start focusing on that instead of focusing on how am I being judged by God? 
when I get to when I get uh, before the throne of God, that's the judgment that really matters. But these choices we're making every day, because these choices sometimes we're making in private or what we believe is private, and those are the choices that matter in the eyes of God. I wouldn't worry so much about you know, election cycles, not election cycles. I tell this to my friends. I tell this to some of my patients when they ask me because ultimately these, the, the choices that we make every, every time that there's a political action going on, um, yes, we apply our faith to it, but more importantly are the choices that we make every day because on our everyday choices, the opposing forces that exist in the spiritual world are always there. It's not so obvious. It's not always, you know, people yelling at each other. It's our own conscience. It's our own free choice. And it's our own time to make these choices. These opposing forces um, can be very, very challenging to deal with. We see it in different ways. We see it um, in the Bible. And this is one of the stories that's very, very important in the Bible where we see this happen is in the transfiguration of Christ. So, we see that even in the life of Christ, this is going to happen. Let's look at the transfiguration really quickly. I'm going to take it from the book of Mark. Okay. And if you uh, want to follow along, this is in the book of Mark and it's in chapter nine. And one of the important things that happens here is that Jesus takes his disciples up on the mountain and it says, Jesus took with him, Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before him, before them. And his garments became glistening, intense, white, as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Okay, so first of all, Jesus is going up to the mountain. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you see that somebody's going up to the mountain, going up to the mountain really symbolizes you're, you're going up to meet God. It's not easy to climb a mountain. When Moses went up to the mountain, that's where he got the Ten Commandments. He had to go up to the mountain, right? So whenever you're going up to the mountain, it's because you're going to go up and you're, and you're going to meet with God. Well, Jesus takes his disciples up the mountain and he shows them his glory. He starts to get transfigured and his garments turn white. And after this, it says, and there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Master, it, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were exceedingly afraid. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw any one of them, but Jesus only. Why is this important? Because first of all, Jesus is going up the mountain. This is a moment of glory, not the moment of his resurrection yet, but he's going up the mountain with his apostles and he's able to reveal himself to a certain extent as transfigured, meaning in his glory, meaning what it's going to be a purview to what the resurrection is going to be like. He gets up there and the apostles think this is great. Peter wants to set up some tents and all of a sudden they hear the voice of the father and the father says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is important. So if the father is saying, Hey, listen to him. Whenever we look at a family or whenever we say, you know, this, this father sent his son to do some job. The father has ultimate trust in the son that he's going to get the job done. I remember being young and working with my dad and he would tell me, Oh, go to the hardware store and pick this up or pick that up. I understood the job my dad was doing at home. I understood what he was trying to build. And he was trusting me that I would go and pick the right tools for the job, or I would pick the right pieces for the job that he was doing so that he could complete the task. I was there to help fulfill the will of my father. Then, you know, if I did it right, and if I brought the right tools, my dad would say, oh, great, good. Now I can keep doing the job. This is what's happening here. Jesus is showing us some of his glory. And the father speaks and says, this is my son. Listen to him. He's doing the job that he needs to do. He's doing my will. 
How is this going to be an opposing force? Well, we see Christ reaching a moment of, of wonderment, of, of exhilaration probably for his apostles who've never seen this. You know, they've seen, they all of a sudden see him in this white appearance that, that doesn't even compare to the colors of the earth. They get a glimpse of heaven. How many times does this happen in our lives as we're going through and we feel like we're doing something really good and all of a sudden we feel the presence of God in our lives and we start getting the glimpse of heaven and this is helping us move forward and we feel like we're going down the right path, right? So this is one force. We're, we're moving in the right direction. We're getting some reinforcement. We're going down the right path and we're feeling really good and, and we're thinking really good and mentally we're at peace and we're in a really, really good place. And we want this to last because this is how we know that God is in our lives. You know, Jim, um, Peter tells Jesus, let's build these tents. But then after this happens and after they hear the voice of God, it says everything's gone and it's just them and Jesus. And Jesus tells them, nope, we're going to come back down the mountain. Okay. So we have this moment of great glory. We have this moment where the apostles are happy, where they say, this is really good. And, you know, they, they probably felt some of that power themselves. They probably felt like, wow, this is where we're headed to, because if we follow Christ and this is, and God, the father is actually telling us to listen to him. If we follow Christ, whatever choices we make, and the first choice is to follow him, then we're going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. We, we're, I'm going to put in my vote for Christ. I'm choosing Christ so I can make it to the kingdom of heaven. And I just got a glimpse of that. Isn't this wonderful? And look at the power that Christ has. I can share in that power. This is wonderful. This is, this is such a positivity in my life. Okay. So this is important to know because these moments are going to happen in our lives where we're feeling really good and they're very real moments. Nobody can take that away from us. But then Jesus has to come down the mountain. And what's happening as he's coming down the mountain? So on the one hand, we have him on top of the mountain having this transfiguration, this wonderful moment of being enveloped in the light of heaven. And then all of a sudden he comes down the mountain. And let's read this. So this goes on in the same chapter of Mark. And all of a sudden we're confronted with the healing of a, bu of a mute boy um, who has a mute spirit. And it says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd about them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. So first everybody's happy with Jesus coming down. And then they said, um, teacher, I, one of the people in the crowd said, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a mute spirit. And where, whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. Jesus just had his moment of glory with his apostles up on the mountain and now he's coming down from the mountain. And he's saying, hey, these people who are supposed to be following you, these disciples, they're not able to get the spirit out of my son. What's going on? And Jesus says, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has he had this? And he said, from childhood, and has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all these things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Why is this important to know? Why is it, Why are these stories together, one right after the other in the book of Mark? Because we have these opposing forces. Just when things are going great, just when Jesus is is feeling really good and being transfigured for his apostles, he comes down, you know, and remember, we just heard the voice of God, the Father, telling them, hey, this is my son, and he is my beloved, and follow him. But all of a sudden, he comes down the mountain, and we have a very similar opposing picture. All of a sudden, we have a father who is very, very helpless, who has no power. And why is that? Because he has no faith. And Jesus says, if you believed, you'd be able to do this. And he says, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. Notice the contrast there. The father saying, I do believe, but help my unbelief. We have a son who is completely empowered in the transfiguration on top of the mountain. And all of a sudden we have a son who is completely possessed by a demonic spirit. And it takes Jesus to clear him out. Not only that, Jesus comes down and his apostles can't even do it. Where, where does this put Jesus? He probably feels helpless. He probably says, hey, I've been teaching you this whole time. We've been together. Why haven't you been able to figure out that you need to pray or, that you need prayer and fasting? The, the, even the disciples were, were helpless in that case. That's got to be really frustrating because on the one hand, you're looking at heaven and on the other hand, you come down and you realize, wait a minute, not to be outdone. The demons are going to say, oh, you think you're going to show your glory? Well, we're going to show you what we can do too. We're going to show you how, oh, your father is very powerful. Well, look at this father. He's very weak. He can't do anything. Oh, you think that you have strength because you're transfigured? Look at this son. We're completely, we, we completely overpower him. We throw him in the water. We throw him in the fire. We're going to try to destroy this guy. And guess what? We're going to try to destroy you. As you come down, look, look at what's going on. These are the opposing forces. This is a reality of life. That These are the choices that we have to make as we go through life. It's not so much what career I choose, who I voted for, who I did this for. It's really everything I do is leading me towards a spiritual life, towards death, towards life after death, I hope. Because these are the true, the true opposing forces that are going on. And if I'm going to make a decision, I want to make it towards Christ. I want to make it towards the kingdom of heaven. I want to start prayer and fasting if my faith is not that strong. These opposing forces are always going to exist. When my friend asked me about this and I told him, you know, this is kind of what happens. This is what, what we think about in deliverance. This is what we think about when we're helping people out spiritually. It comes down to where, where is your life? What forces have you been, you know, opening doors to? What choices have you been making? Because based on the choices we make, we allow certain things in our lives, whether it be Christ or whether it be not Christ, shall we say. We allow our faith to get stronger in God or to fall into despair and to lack faith and to allow everything else to overcome us. This is important to note because right now, if we're feeling stressed with anything going on in society, take a step back and realize, wait a minute, I'm not going to start fighting with other people. I'm going to look in myself and say, where am I in terms of my closeness to Christ? Am I living my life so that I am closer to Christ today? What's going on with this opposing force? How do we see this in society? Do we see this in society at all? We actually do. I'm going to show you an example when we come back from the break. But in the meantime, remember, bring Christ into your life. Keep focusing on Christ so that our only force is the force of Christ.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we're talking about making choices and opposing forces. And really, if you think about it, if you think about it from a psychological point of view, if you think about it from a, shall we say, even metaphysical point of view, what is a choice? A choice is choosing between two things. And it could be sometimes people say very similar things or they could be very different things. But either way, regardless of what you're choosing, as soon as you make a choice for one, they become very different things, right? Because there's a reason why I chose this one. And there's always going to be opposing forces in the world because if we're going to talk about our spiritual life, our spiritual health, and especially when we see uh, any kind of working in deliverance ministry and the mental health of, that we look at, because we look at the mental health of the person, but we look at their spiritual health. We look at what influences are in their life. Ultimately, when we're talking about deliverance ministry, we're asking people to make a choice, but there's only one choice. It's the, it's the choice for Christ. Um, and this is important to remember in our own lives, because regardless of what's going on in the political cycles or in the government cycles or whatever choices we have to make in those realms, those, those cycles will pass, but our every day, our one day at a time, every year, regardless of what's going on around us in society, we're being asked to choose um, Christ, whether it be in my interaction with my neighbor, whether it be with the kind of 
and the quality and the kind of work I do at work, um, whether it be in the way I either lift up my life and, and bring it to God and follow the path of Christ and follow the sacraments and our Catholic faith, or I get lazy and I choose not to go to church, or I don't go to confession even, even though I think I should. You know, these are the choices that we're making. These are the, these are the true choices. We talked a little bit about how these opposing forces come about and how we see that in the Bible. We see that when Christ is having moments of uh, miracles happening or him revealing himself to his apostles in the transfiguration, then right after that, back to back, we have a moment where the kingdom of Satan is not going to be undone. And they're going to say, no, guess what? We can one up you. We can show you one better. And look at this. We have a son here who his father is helpless. Your father, you say, is all powerful. Here we have a son whose father is completely helpless and his son is completely overtaken by us. And, you know, if you think that you're going to conquer death and that you're going to bring everybody to the to the doors of heaven and open the doors of heaven for them, well, look at this son. How are you going to be any different from that? You know, this is what happens in our lives. We have moments where we feel really up and then all of a sudden we might have moments where we're really down, where we feel sometimes where we're really close to God, we're doing things right and we're feeling great and we think, I want this to last forever. And then all of a sudden, the opposite can happen. All of a sudden, bad things happen in our lives, things where we start to lose our faith, things where we start to wonder, where's God? Because things were going really well, now things are going really bad. The key there, the, consi- the, the key there is the consistency, that having faith in Christ no matter what, whether things are up or things are down. And so one of the questions is, do we ever see this in society? Well, we do. You know, recently, um, there was an article about a priest who uh, was really feeling alone and really feeling ostracized because he started to make comments publicly about how to choose God during an election cycle and how to choose based on your Catholic faith faith during an election cycle. And he started to really preach the truth in terms of saying, you know, if you can't make a, a Catholic choice, then how can you call yourself Catholic? You know, are you following your faith or not? And if you're being faced with a choice between choosing something that is going to lead you closer to God and allow you to follow your faith and follow the tenets of your faith or choosing quite the opposite, then at the end of the day, the choice is obvious. You got to choose your faith regardless of what other people say. You got to make a choice that's going to, you know, follow the Ten Commandments, that's going to follow the tenets of the Beatitudes, that's going to follow the way that Christ uh, uh, taught us. Remember when I read that in the Transfiguration, what was it that God said? He said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. When you tell somebody to listen to somebody else, where else, where else did we see that? You know, the, listen to him really means do what he's telling you, right? Because if I'm going to listen to somebody, I'm going to do what he's telling me. No different than when we saw that in the wedding of Canaan. You know, the, the wine was gone. And what does our lady tell the helpers? What does our lady tell the servants? Do whatever he tells you to do. Well, in order for them to do something, Jesus is going to tell them to do something. She's really saying, listen to him. And Jesus tells him to fill the jars with water and he turns it into wine. God's telling us this and God the Father's telling us that. Listen to him. If you listen to Christ, if you follow the tenets of Christ, I'm going to turn your water into wine. Whatever, when you, Right in the moment where you feel like you have nothing left, guess what? Christ is going to come in and take care of everything. This is important. So why do I mention this? Because this priest is trying to tell us about the light of Christ. He's trying to tell us um, what the the true choice would be, how to make a choice for Christ, how to know uh, how to think in the light of Christ, how to know how to listen to Christ. This is happening and a lot of people are listening to it and his message went, as we say, viral. And so many people um, heard his message and of course there's going to be opposing forces. 
Now, some people can say, oh, well, maybe he got in trouble with his bishop, or maybe somebody told him to, to quiet down or something. But if we're looking at this from the moment, from if we look at this kind of from the Bible, from the transfiguration down to all of a sudden a son who's possessed, what happened in this case? We see this in the news, and some people might not make the connection, but in the world of deliverance, we say, well, what else is going on in society at the same time? Well, we have this priest who's willing to speak, and among Catholic circles, his voice is heard, and you know, a few people probably heard him. It didn't necessarily make the mainstream media, shall we say. But what story did make the mainstream media? On the opposite ends, unfortunately, all of a sudden we have a situation where an altar is desecrated by a priest who hired a couple of people, a couple of ladies, to be with him in order to desecrate the space sexually. This is, this is just a fact of life. Is it any coincidence that sometimes we start getting these messages, these priests who are willing to speak up like John the Baptist and tell us to make our path straight, and then all of a sudden, down the mountain, as this is happening, what's going on in another church? By a priest himself, what's going on? He's desecrating the altar. He's making it so that the house of God becomes a house of Satan. There's no question that this was something to invoke the demonic, and other people might not see that, but within our Catholic faith, we know that. So how is this any different? You know, we have a moment of transfiguration. We have a moment of light, as we say, when the truth is being spoken, when people are being inspired to follow Christ, when the light of Christ is shown, and then not to be outdone in the mainstream media, instead of focusing on the light of Christ, guess what? The devil says, nope, you're going to focus on me, and I'm going to desecrate the space, and you're going to be more scared or more focused, or, or I'm, instead of allowing you to bask in the glory of Christ, I'm going to allow you to actually be shocked and to feel desolate and to wonder what's wrong with your church and what's wrong with these people. Because the reality is the, the church of Christ is going to stand and Jesus told us it's going to stand against the gates of hell. And the only way to bring it down is from the inside. Unfortunately, if we don't pray for our priests, if our priests aren't, you know, our priests are going to face many temptations. I'm not here to judge anybody, but they're going to face many temptations. And if we're not here to pray for our priests, then where's the strength for them? Where is it that they're going to find um, the, the strength to carry on sometimes in the, in the light of really strong, strong temptations? If we look at it, how did Christ, how was Christ crucified? It was because of Judas. He sold him out. It wasn't from the outside. Jesus, you know, he'd been preaching. And if you look through the Gospels, when Jesus was preaching, he was always telling the truth. And half the time people wanted to stone him or kill him or throw him off a cliff. It wasn't all peachy keen. It wasn't all, oh, you know, we're all just, it's all peace and love. Jesus was preaching peace and love, but the people weren't ready to receive it, and they saw it as an attack, whether it be the people around him or the people even within the, the Jewish faith, they saw it as an attack. Jesus was constantly being persecuted, and he was, you know, this opposing force was always trying to get him. That's just kind of what was going on. So how, how is that any different now? What happens then? What happened then is that all of a sudden Judas turned him in. It wasn't from the outside that he started to fall or that he was arrested. He was arrested because from the inside, somebody allowed something bad to come in. How is that any different now? If we're going to have the church of God facing the gates of hell, nobody's going to, the gates of hell will never overcome that unless from the inside. That's the only way you're going to bring something down. You're going to make a fall from within. The, the church of God is always going to stand. God, you know, Jesus and, and the, the, the throne of Peter, those are built on, a, on, on stone. They're not built on sand. But the reality is it's up to us to keep that barrier up. It's up to us to make those choices. And part of the choices that we make are something as simple as praying for each other. We forget and we think that, oh, it's, it's too simple. It, it doesn't, uh, what's a prayer really going to do? It's just words. You know, those are the temptations that we have. But what does Jesus tell us? 
How do we, you know, how do we drive out the gates of hell? The, the gates of hell are always going to put on a show. This is why, you know, I'm going to desecrate a whole altar. I'm going to desecrate a whole church. I got to put on a show. I got to put myself on the, on the front lines here. I got to entertain the people. And what does Jesus tell us in this passage? Jesus tells us, nope, something as simple as fasting and prayer. How hard is that? How hard is it to really pray? How hard is it to really fast? It can be a little bit challenging, sure, you know, because the temptation is always, you know, if I'm feeling hungry, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, I want to satisfy that need right away. But what does it really take to fast? What does it really take to pray? It really takes patience. It takes patience and faith. Because if I'm fasting, if I'm healing, feeling hungry, all I need to do is kind of slow down, take a break, feel the hunger because it's going to be there, and let it pass. That moment will pass. How is something that simple defeating the gates of hell, right? Something, somebody who puts on such a show, we think, oh my goodness, this is scary. We see it in Hollywood. We see it in the movies. It's going to be a show. It's going to entertain, actually. Let me entertain you with fear is really what they're saying. Let me entertain you with the ostentatious. Let me entertain you with defeating your faith and making you feel defeated just like this father felt defeated. His, his father saw the entertainment of you. Well, he saw the show. He was consumed by what was happening to his son and being thrown in the water and being thrown in the fire and all these different things. He didn't take the time probably to pray because he was maybe too scared. Maybe he didn't even know how. Maybe it was too easy to focus on the evil, shall we say, versus let's take a step back. <clears throat> let's take a step back in our everyday lives. Let's take a step back and take a break from all these things going on, from all the headlines, from all the things going on in society that's causing anxiety. Because now we're getting, getting consumed, we're getting entertained, we're, focusing, we're letting our brain focus and entertain on all these other things that are going to cause fear, instead of saying, let's take a break, let's slow down, and let me just pray and fast, let me just be with Christ, let me go back up to that mountain and sit in the transfiguration for a while. If I sit there, I think that any prayer and fasting will become a lot easier and more efficacious. I think it'll be so powerful in a way that we don't see because we equate power here with destruction, with, you know, uh, money, with being on TV, with advertisement, with, you know, dollars and cents, with having a bigger house. That seems to be power to us. We got to remember that when we're making a choice, that we have to focus on the type of power that Christ promises us. We have to focus on a different type of power. We have to focus on a different dimension. And we're going to reach that when we do it with prayer, with fasting, with simplicity, with following and listening to Christ. More when we come back. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church, to aid and defend her. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the show, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. Welcome back to the clinic. I hope uh, your day is going well. I hope that you're finding healing, and I hope that you're feeling spiritually, physically, and mentally well. Um, Today, we're talking about opposing forces, making choices, and really what that means in our lives in terms of fulfilling our mission and making it to the gates of heaven. Ultimately, what we got to think about when we're in society and making choices, and we were just talking about what it really means to have power and greatness. You know, this is really how we, uh, you know, what we focus on in society sometimes. What keeps us from focusing on the power of Christ. And when we when we look at this, it can be very stressful. It can be very stressful to think about that which the world tells us is great or that which we need to choose as great because how much pressure is it to say well i'm supposed to have so much money i'm supposed to have a bigger house and who in the world do i vote for who are my politics who's going to get me to reach these goals when the truth is that that's not the truth that's not our end that's not what god put us on this planet for the reality is we're on this planet as a means to an end and the end is to make it to heaven that's all it is, is to build the kingdom of God, regardless of what our job is, regardless of what talents we have. God gave us each individual talents in order to serve him and to bring up the kingdom of God on earth. So if we can use those talents in that way, then we're already ahead of the game. Then we don't have to worry about who's in power, who's not in power. In my moment right now, where I am in life, the words I choose to speak, the way I choose to act, am I bringing up the kingdom of heaven or not? Am I speaking the words that God would want me to speak, that Christ would want me to speak? Am I following Christ? And am I listening to him the way God the Father told us to listen to him during the transfiguration? This is important to note because really what it comes down to is a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, feeling a lot of stress during election cycles, during who to, who to vote for. And sometimes when we look at it, a lot of times election cycles are just about having power and being able to rule over people. And this is where it can get really stressful. What does Christ tell us about that? 
in the world of deliverance, I said, there's opposing forces. There's always going to be the forces that are going to make things seem glamorous when they're not and really try to bring down Christ when the truth is spoken. All of a sudden, they're going to try to bring that down and they're going to try to put on their own show. But the idea of wanting greatness or the idea of choosing greatness is not something new. Let's look at this passage in the Bible here. We're still in the chapter uh, of Mark, uh, chapter 9 in the book of Mark. Uh, and now we're going to look at uh, what is described as true greatness, if we're looking at verse 33. It is important to note. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? So Jesus is asking his, his apostles, what were they discussing? And he said, they said, but, we were, but they were silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another who was the greatest. So already then, following Christ, they're already deciding who's the most important here? Who's the most important among us? Aren't they kind of taking an, a political position, if you will, an electoral position? You know, we're all following Christ. We're, we're a group of people. We know that Christ is the way. We know that he's the right way and we're all going to follow him. But guess what? We all want that little bit of a higher position. And this is normal. It's human nature. You know, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's going to happen no matter where you are, whether it be in government, whether it be in the church, whether it be at your job, whether, you know, people always kind of get impressed with titles and, and things like that. There's a saying sometimes in businesses where they say, if you can't give them a raise, give them a title. And all of a sudden people feel that if they have certain letters after their name or a title before their name, that brings them up. And, you know, our human nature sometimes is that we enjoy that. We enjoy having titles or we enjoy feeling like we're respected because we have a title. But what we got to remember is that you get titles all of a sudden that actually means a responsibility because let's look at what Christ says next. And they said, you know, so they were discussing among them who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last. And excuse me, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and he put him in the midst of them and, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So we see this all together. We, you know, God of the Father is telling us, listen to him, and Jesus is telling them, you got to calm down. you got to stop worrying about who the greatest is, because he says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, he says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So already we see that Christ is moving everything back to God. Notice that God says, listen to him. And all of a sudden that kind of makes Jesus important, right? God the Father is telling him to listen to him. Does, and Jesus is important. Does he take on that importance? Does he say, that's right, God the Father said to listen to me, so now you guys are all going to bow down and listen to me? No, he says, you must become servants of all. If you want to be great, you must become servants of all. And who's this first servant? Jesus taught us how to serve. What happened at the Last Supper? Jesus didn't say, hey, this is my moment of glory, so you all have to bow down before me. He said, I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to bring myself down, and I'm going to serve you. And this is where greatness is. And I expect you go out and serve other people, because while you're arguing about who's the greatest, you're imagining that in terms of worldly greatness. You're imagining that in terms of titles and power and perhaps riches or money or something along those lines. And that's really not what makes you great. You know, who, who really sounds like that? Who, who, it seems like, you know, we hope that we put people in power, that they're going to help the people. We hope that they're going to serve the people. And what happens? Because it's human nature, people get into power and they get corrupt. They get rich. They want to live their own lives. They live in beautiful homes. And all of a sudden they're out of touch with the people that they're supposed to serve. And so Jesus tells us here, if you're going to be great, you got to learn how to serve. 
Now, Jesus says, whoever receives a child in my name receives me, but whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Jesus is actually bringing himself down. Jesus is saying, look, you're going to receive me, but I'm not what's great. You're going to receive my father. He's who's great. Look at that right there, because Jesus comes to the earth and he is God on earth. Jesus is the son of God, but he never deemed equality with God something to be grasped at. Him being God said, I'm here to serve you. He's teaching us that we have a God who serves us. And if we want to be like Christ, which is our objective, we better get into the mindset of how can I serve others? Because if I get into the mindset of how can I build myself up, I'm going to lose. If I get into the mindset of how can I have more power, I'm going to lose, or at least power the way the world sees it. We really want to ask ourselves, you know, in this voting cycle, who's going to serve the people best? Not who's going to bring themselves up. Who's going to push their own agenda? Who's going to decide what's right for the people? We really got to ask ourselves is who's going to listen to the people? Who's going to listen to me and respect the fact that I have a Catholic faith I need to follow and who's respecting those tenets of the Catholic faith? Or is anybody forcing me to go against that? That's really what it comes down to. Because when the light of Christ is being spoken about, we can't get afraid of those opposing forces. Christ is going to be there and Christ is going to tell us, look, this is the truth. And if you're going to follow me, it's going to come with a challenge. You're going to have to pray and you're going to have to fast. Because as you see, as I'm giving you the truth, as I'm bringing this up, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be opposing forces trying to bring that down, trying to make you confused, trying to make you feel guilty, trying to make you feel like you're wrong. When all you have to do is listen to me, follow me, have a mind of servitude, serve others. Don't worry about greatness on this planet because that's not what I'm worried about. I want to see how well you can serve others because that's how we bring up the kingdom of God. In your job, in your life, in whatever position you get, go, make sure that what you're doing and the choices you make are going to serve others to come closer to me. That's really the bottom line. And that's the choice we have to make. At the end of the day, I wouldn't worry too much about, did I make the right choice and in this respect, because my neighbor said it was the right choice. Did I impress my boss? Did I impress this other person? That's not what it, what's going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is that all the choices are made are geared towards Christ and geared towards bringing up the kingdom of God. That's the bottom line. Whether it be I'm focusing on, you know, what uh, uh, what society's saying, what my neighbor's saying, all this focus, I can focus on that and I want to listen to that because I want to see what the prevailing uh, spirit is, what, what people are talking about, what the opposing forces are. It's good to be aware of them. It's good to know that they're there. Otherwise, we're going to feel very lonely, right? I'm sure Christ felt lonely after, as he came down that mountain and nobody could get rid of that demon. Nobody could could expel that demonic spirit. And he probably felt like you know, what have I taught you? How, how long must I endure you? Why are you not listening to me? The father just said, listen to me. I'm showing you my glory. If you listen to me, good things are going to happen, but you might be doing things your way, or you might be too scared or too impressed by this entertainment that this other side is going to present to you. You might be too tantalized by, you know, that which seems to be flashy that you forget the simpleness, the simpleness of just prayer and fasting and serving. And really, if we can bring that down, if we can hone that into our lives, we're going to be mentally healthy, we're going to be spiritually healthy, we're going to be physically healthy, because there's not going to be anything we can't overcome. At the end of the day, that's all that's going to matter. If we push away the temptations, if we push away that which drives us away from Christ, and we focus on the fact that all we have to do is listen to him and serve, I think that that's where we're going to find that peace of Christ come into our lives, that all that anxiety is going to go away. We're not going to worry so much about what people are saying or not saying. We're going to make sure that we make it to heaven. There's another line in this chapter uh, that's very important. And this is where the um, 
uh, apostles are coming to Jesus and saying, teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he was not following us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him. No one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon uh, after to speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. This is important to remember. Anything we do in Christ's name is going to be rewarded. And anytime we do something good because we recognize Christ is going to be rewarded. If we're for Christ, we can never be against Christ. And if we remember to do things in the name of Christ, we can't soon speak ill of Christ. We're going to be headed down the right path. So anything we do, anything we choose, any vote we make, any option that we have at work, any, any the way I choose to speak to my, my family, my wife, my kids, my friends, anything of that, if I can look at Christ in that moment, in every moment in life, then I'm choosing in the right way. That's ultimately what's happening. The stress, the anxiety that I see in people, when people say, do I need to take medication for this? Do I need to um, go to therapy for this? Eh, for some people, they might, you know, if you suffer from uh, individual anxiety, if you suffer from depression, if you suffer from uh, an actual mental health illness, then yeah, this is going to aggravate that situation. I would say check in with your doctor, check in with your therapist, see if you need to adjust your medication or not during these times. Sometimes some people need to adjust it for a little while and then they can bring it back down afterwards, depending on the person. And so I never say don't talk to your therapist, don't talk to your psychiatrist. This is important things to bring up if you are in that position. Nothing to be ashamed about. But ultimately what I say is take that step back, bring Christ in your life. Don't forget that that's therapy itself. Christ is the ultimate healer. Christ is the one who's going to bring you out of that darkness. Christ is the one who's going to bring the us luminous into mysteries of the most holy rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Peace, where we feel healing. The five so luminous mysteries were in the Bible, and Christ is still happening. Christ is healing us now. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget to go to Christ as our primary source of healing, as our primary doctor, as our primary therapist. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives. Let's follow the glory of Christ. Let's listen to him and let's serve him and each other. All in the name of Christ. Thank you for being in the clinic today. Until next time, I wish you good health, mentally, spiritually, physically. Please keep praying for me and for everybody else. And thank you for being part of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's always a pleasure to be here. And until our next clinic session, we'll be praying for you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.